Welcome to the King's Rock Podcast, part of the King's Rock Network. I am your host, Death Giver, from Death Giver Gaming on the YouTube channel, with my co-host, Bolt Up. Hey, how you doing? Today we'll be talking about things that we've done over the weekend, what we've been playing, and the cards coming out in the Paradox Rift release. Over the weekend, start of this week, I've been playing a couple new decks. I've been playing some Roaring Moon. I've tried my hands with some Iron Valiant. Um, I've tried Iron Hands and a few different decks. Uh, Goldango is one that I've tried that's pretty fun. And I have a Golisopod EX build that I'm kind of working on. Um, is there might be some you know, little secret spice to, to try for this season. So these are some things I've been working on. Um, I've seen some pretty crazy Iron Valiant things being able to take out or essentially get a win before your opponent even has a chance to draw their first card, which is pretty insane. What about you? What have you been playing? What have you seen? Anything exciting? So I've been playing my Zard deck. I'm sticking with Charizard EX for right now. I'm thinking about trying the Roaring Moon deck. Um, that one looks pretty interesting to me. I've played probably a good 20 matches against it at this point. I'm about 15 and 5, maybe 14 and 6. So I've seen some good um, things with that deck. I've also noticed that that deck, if it gets going early, um, you're in trouble. So I kind of like that aspect that it can hit hard early and it can hit hard late. So um, thinking about that one, um, pretty much that's about it. So with that Roaring Moon deck, there's been a lot of builds floating around that um, I've seen. There's the Brute Bonnet build, which attempts to get that um, any little bit of extra damage there when you're using Roaring Moon's second attack. I haven't seen that build, actually. I'm surprised by that, but I have not seen that build yet. Well, it, it was kind of popular like immediately, and I've seen it less and less now. Um, I think it's just kind of fallen to the wayside. The build that I'm starting to see now uses the Morpico, which has free retreat if there's no energy attached to it, which it's a really good pivot. But then in addition to that, is it's just a really good attacker to have because its attack for two energy does 70 damage and you get to move that dark energy off of that Pokemon onto another Pokemon on your bench. So you can then use that attack, then move that energy off onto your Roaring Moon or anything else you may have there. And then if it somehow survives that next turn, it is that pivot again because it has a free retreat since it has no energy on it. And if it happens to die, it's just a single prize attacker, and now you've thrown off your opponent's prize map. Which is interesting. I've never, I have not seen that like move done yet. Um, that I've only seen it used as the free retreat where they've stuck it out there, retreated it back into a roaring moon. I've never seen the attack used. Uh, the variant that I've seen a lot of is the Galarian Moltres EX and the Galarian Moltres Regular. Um, and that one seems to be where they um, d discard a lot of energy with Radiant Greninja, and then they pull it back to the Moltres, and then they use Switch Energy a lot and switch from Moltres to Roaring Moon. It's a uh, Galarian Moltres V, by the way, not an EX, but beside the point. Um, the that uh, build is actually the old Darkrai build. It was Darkrai V, V-Star, Galarian Moltres V, and Galarian Moltres. And that was kind of the dark turbo build at the time. Unfortunately, it just didn't quite do enough to really make a splash in the meta. It showed up occasionally. Um, Ross Cawthon ran a build at uh, one of the regionals. I can't remember which one. I think it was, it was either regional or international championship. But he uh, he ran a build, made day two with it, and did pretty good. Um, I, but he 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 had some good good matchups along the way to get there. But that that Darkrai deck was just a little bit short of where it needed to be. But that was kind of the base of that deck was it threw energies in the discard pile any way it could, and then it pulled those energies back with dark patches with Galarian Moltres, and then it used Galarian Moltres and Darkrai's v, Darkrai V Star's attack to be able to do damage quick and fast. And speaking of Darkrai, I've seen that version with Roy Moon as well, where they've used Darkrai, but I, that version of the deck, I didn't see that working too well. As it kind of got rolled pretty quickly. I didn't see the um, significant reason to have Darkrai in it. I thought that was a kind of a weaker version of it, but I don't know if the opponent was using it correctly or if it was just I got lucky in that match and kind of steamrolled it from the beginning. 
We can talk a little bit more about this when we get to the cards from the Paradox Rift set, but just to briefly touch on that, that's the current version of the Roaring Moon deck that I'm playing right now. And what it does is it uses the Darkrai V Darkrai V Star to be able to pull back either two dark patches or I'm running crushing hammers in the deck right now, which remove possibly removes energy from your opponent's Pokemon. So being able to pull two crushing hammers back can also be a game changer. Uh, being able to pull two earthen vessels, being able to pull a switch cart or an escape rope, um, just any of those items that you need that, that Darkrai V-Star can do. And in addition to that, late game, having the Darkrai V-Star being able to do as much damage as a Roaring Moon can, but also not injuring itself can also be relevant. So there's a lot that that, that Darkrai V-Star can do that I think it's absolutely worth a play at this point, but I'm also very early in testing. Well, you'll have to let me know how it goes, because right now it did not look like it was a good run for that deck. Talking about some of the events coming up this weekend, we have a pretty big local box tournament coming at one of the local shops here. So I'm excited to see what kind of decks come out of that. I'm hearing a lot of players excited to you know play some Iron Valiant stuff, some Goldango EX. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Roaring Moon there. There's a lot of Lost Box players that are probably going to continue playing Lost Box because we've thought it's been dead before and here it is. Uh, Mu EX, or yeah, Mu V, sorry. Mu V Max I expect to see a lot of. Um, there's a lot of Gardevoir players, so I'm excited to see just in the local scene what's going on in the results of this tournament. And then in two weeks, the weekend of the 17th through 19th is the next major tournament, which is the Latin American International Championship. That is the first international championship of the season, and it is the first weekend that Paradox Rift is officially legal. So that'll be the first real look at seeing where these big-name pros are, are putting their money in their decks. Yeah, I'm kind of curious with the, how the meta is going to change with this new um, international championship because Zarg kind of was dominant in the last few, but I see him kind of dropping down and Roy Moon kind of being the big thing to go to right now. Both of those decks are actually, they spell weakness or problems for Mu V Max with it being a psychic deck. Previously, it just had Charizard to deal with, but now it has Charizard and Roaring Moon to deal with. So we'll see what happens with Mew at that point to see if Mew stays relevant. And and Guardy. And Guardy um, having that that dark weakness for the, the Gardevoir EX. We'll see if it can handle it. And next week, when we do our, our episode for next week, we'll do some predictions on what we expect to be some of the top decks at the Latin American International Championship. So... That'll be that'll be you know a little fun game to to do some predictions and see how how it turns out. Okay, so now we're going to move into our next topic, which is cards that we are very intrigued about and kind of interesting to talk about. Uh, I know the first one on the list is one that I'm very much kind of in love with, almost as much as Charizard, and that's Roaring Moon. I think that card is uh it can be very good at this point. As I was saying earlier, it's one of those cards that goes into the deck and. You can get it going pretty quickly. I've seen it go as early as first turn on my opponent where I go first and then they hit second and they're already attacking. And I'm pretty much done at that point or I'm scrambling to try to catch up. Uh, with the ability to be able to instantly KO your person and only take 200 damage, um, that means that you're knocking out your opponent and they are like behind, especially if my Entei is out there, they're getting two cards and they still got their mon, and then once I send my next one, if it's not ready to go, they got another free KO with Calamity Storm if they got a stadium out there. So the card I've noticed that when it goes and it gets that first prize card done, especially a two-prize card lead, you're not beating that. You're not beating it. Now, real quick, I'm going to go ahead and read over what the card Roaring Moon does just in case the listener happens to not know what it is. It is Roaring Moon EX, 230 HP. First attack for 3 energy. It instantly knocks out the opposing active Pokemon and does 200 damage to itself. And then the second attack, Calamity Storm, also for 3. Both attacks are a Dark Dark and a Colorless. The Calamity Storm does 100 damage, and it does an additional 120 if you discard a Stadium in play. 
Now, one thing about the Roaring Moon with the Frenzied Gouging Attack. It does 200 damage to itself, so that leaves its HP down to 30. But if you attach a Ancient Boost Energy Capsule to it, that ups its HP by 60. So now it has uh, 90 health to it on it. And if you retreat it with a Switch Cart, it is now back up to 120 health. So with two items right there, an item and a tool, it is now on your bench and up to 120 health. So it's not as easy to knock out as it would be if you kept it at that, at that 30 health. It works as a ultimately two-prize deck where you're trying to just go 2-2-2 two, two, two with your opponent, but they're also doing the same thing to you. So if you can get that turn one going second attack with Roaring Moon, which it's definitely possible, uh, you have the Dark Patches, you have the Professor Seda's Vitality, you have ways to, to accelerate that energy on Roaring Moon. And if you can get that turn one attack going second, you're going to get those first prizes, hopefully a two-prizer, and then you can just keep that prize trade going. And then, like I said earlier, it has that more Pico to be able to throw off your opponent's 2-2-2 two, 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 that hopefully gives you that advantage to get that final prize before they do. With the Roaring Moon, I've seen it where uh, they've benched it with more Pico as the active had Galarian Moltres V, and then they've just pretty much used Radiant Greninja to discard energy pull energy from this card, slap it on their bench, and then they switch out, and then, yeah, first turn, knockout. Yeah, if you can open that more Pico, you're set. Because Dark Patch has to attach energy to a benched Pokemon. Yep, that is correct. To really get that, you need to be able to, you know, have the Roaring Moon on the bench, and having the more Pico on the active with the Free Retreat allows you to just swap that and get that up there quickly. That's why uh, Switch Cart and escape rope are, are used and valuable in the Roaring Moon decks. I've seen Switch used a lot, which, yeah, I'm not really sure why Switch is used so much where you can use Switch Cart instead. My guess is if they're using the Darkrai V-Star, maybe, since Switch Cart doesn't work on Evolution Pokemon. Uh, if there's any reason that they have that, maybe. But um, if you're just really playing Roaring Moon and more Pico, then Switch Cart is definitely a strictly better option. Moving on to Iron Valiant EX. It is a 220 HP Psychic Pokemon. has the ability Tachyon Bits. Once during your turn, when this Pokemon moves from your bench to the active spot, you may put two damage counters on one of your opponent's Pokemon. Then it has an attack, Psychic, Psychic, and a Colorless Laser Blade for 200 damage. During your next turn, this Pokemon cannot attack. Iron Valiant is a card that could possibly change the game. Previously, when you set up your, your cards at the beginning of the game, you set your active face down, you leave your bench empty because you're not, you don't want to tip off to your opponent any more than you have to about what you're playing, what's in your hand, anything like that. So when they're doing their first turn, they're blind as to what's in your hand, what you can do on that first turn. It was a safe play. When Mew started playing Grabber, that changed it just a little bit because they could grab one of those basic Pokemon out of your hand before you have a turn. Now, with Iron Valiant, you actually have the potential to lose the game before you can even draw your first card. So let's say first turn you drop that Celebrations Mew, 60 HP, that's sitting out there in the active, you're ready to drop your Ralts or whatever else you have as a Gardevoir player, your opponent drops a Iron Valiant in the active, puts, you know, gets a Battle VIP pass, gets a couple more Iron Valiants, and a couple Switch cards, and before you know it, your Mew's gone. You lose the game before you even draw that first card. Now the next thing, you're smart. You not only drop that Mew out there, you also put a Ralts on the bench. Now you're ready. Well, guess what? They get the Iron Valiance, and they get a Medicham V out there. Now, when they're doing their switching, they do 40 damage to your Mew. They come up, I guess this has to be if they're... Uh, their turn one going second because they're doing an attack here. They do 40 damage on that Mew. They pull up the Medicham V. They do a Yoga Loop, which knocks out the Mew. They take a prize card, and now they take an extra turn, and they get to do it all again and then knock out your Ralts. So these are the kind of plays that the Iron Valiant opens up that completely changes the game and completely changes how you actually start that game and how you play from here on out. Yeah, but I feel like that's more of a perfect case scenario. I played the deck twice, and although they were able to switch a lot, there was never a point to where I feared it 
The only thing that's different with Iron Valiant compared to like Mew and Guardi is that it's a psychic that's not weak to dark, it's weak to steel. And of course, with the Charizard deck, I don't, I don't run steel, but it was never a point to where I was too much fearful of that Tachyon bits. I do see your point to where, like, yeah, if it's a bad start for me and Charmander's the only thing out there and Iron Valiant hits and two, they are able to battle pass two onto their bench and then they got tape rope and switch cart and switch and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much into a four quick match, but the likelihood of that happening is very rare unless they're running a big draw mechanic like um, Curlia or Mew or what else is a big draw mechanic for that deck? Comfy. I did see Comfy. Comfy was one of the runs that, one of the decks that ran it where they did run comfy and then they did have a high draw mechanic but even that that deck seemed to kind of stall out at that point the thing about the iron valiant right now is it's it's trying to find its identity it's a it is a very polarizing card it it has a lot of people that love it as a lot of people that don't really think it's that good um there's just a lot that you can do with it but it's still trying to find its identity does it belong in a rapid strike style deck where you're trying to spread a lot of damage do a lot of damage on the bench and just kind of win you know that way is it is its home in a lost box deck where you're spreading damage that way maybe you're you know missing a little bit of damage here and there with the sableye and the iron valiant is what gives you that final reach does it belong in a deck where it's the main attacker maybe zatu can you know accelerate energy onto it you draw cards you keep going so you're not only moving it up into the active, but you're also hitting with the two twenty with the two hundred. Then the um, the effect of the attack, where it says this Pokemon can't attack during your next turn, is more irrelevant because you're already switching back and forth and doing more damage. So maybe that's the home. That's kind of the problem with the deck right now is it just doesn't have a home yet. I can see it being put in a lost box deck. When you said that, I'm like, yeah, that could work because that extra damage that it's doing. And with the switching and how comfy switches and yeah, I can see that being a it can be an interesting play on that deck, especially for early on. But I mean, to not keep tooting the horn of Roy Moon, I don't see the deck doing much against Roy Moon if you got two or two, three, four Roy Moons out there and active and on your bench, because that twenty damage is pretty much just a tickle for them. Yeah, but here's the problem with Roaring Moon is for Roaring Moon to take out an Iron Valiant. You have to discard a stadium, or you have to use the the first attack that you know does the damage to itself. So if you have to consistently do that, it's going to be a lot easier for an Iron Valiant or a Sableye to clean up and get four prizes in one turn. True, but you know what shuts down Iron Valiant? Path. It sure does. But you play that path, you have to discard it with the Roaring Moon, or you have to do the damage to itself. True. But if you do the damage to yourself with Path, then they are not going to be able to tack you on Bitchita for that last little bit of... That's what Sableye's for. Yeah, true. Sableye can spread 12 damage counters around. So cleaning up two Roaring Moons is going to be easy work for Sableye. Yeah, that's true. So there, there's just a lot of cat and mouse, I think, going on with this format. And this is a prime example of it. What do you have to fear... What do you have to put in there to guard that fear? And then if you don't even see that fear, then you have text in there for nothing. So there's a lot of cat and mouse right now, at least until we know what's going on with, with how these cards are playing out. Moving on to the next card, we have a... Mewtwo EX. I am highly disappointed that they did my boy wrong. They made him electric, and then they gave him two crappy attacks that doesn't do jack crap for anything. So you can't throw him in a psychic deck because he's not worth anything. You can't throw him in an electric deck because he needs psychic energy. All right, Mewtwo EX is a 230 HP electric Terra Pokemon. First attack for a psychic energy is transfer charge. Attach up to two basic psychic energies from your discard pile to your Pokemon any way you like. Second attack for psychic psychic is Photon Kinesis. Does 10 damage plus 30 more damage for each psychic energy attached to all of your Pokemon. Kind of worthless. So, the home for this card? Guardi deck. With Guardi EX. If there is a home, is Gardevoir. 
Now, the reason why I say if, because I am not putting this in my Gardevoir deck anytime soon. <laughs> no, and I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> However, if I had to put it in a deck, it's Gardevoir. Now, one main problem, it's a two-prizer that only has 230 health. That's number one. Number two, it's an electric Pokemon, so Gardevoir EX cannot accelerate psychic energy to it. Oh, that is a problem. So yeah, this card is worthless, and I am completely disappointed that they will release Mewtwo, another Mewtwo card, and they release trash. Complete, total trash. The only reason it is, could even remotely be play, playable in Gardevoir is the second attack. It does 30 damage for each psychic energy attached to all of your Pokemon. Gardevoir can accelerate energy everywhere else. All you need is two manual attachments to this, and that's it. Which isn't that difficult. Especially if it's on your bench, Gardevoir takes a little bit of while to get going. So if you do two manual attachments to this, then you can spread damage out with Gardevoir EX. You can do an attack with this, or you can do an attack with Cresselia, because you've already spread that damage around. So now you have the damage counters to remove with Cresselia, and then you can hit hard again with the guard with the Mewtwo EX. But yeah, no, that's just too much work for a card that's not at all worth it. Considering that you got baby Gardevoir that can do better within it being a one price card. I told you I was not going to put this in my Gardevoir deck. I'm just giving you the reason why it might remotely be able to see play. No, you're just giving a reason why it's complete trash and that it's a trash card for a great Pokemon. Well, okay. What it does, though, is it's able to one-shot Lugia V-Star, which is something that's somewhat difficult for Gardevoir to do early, and that's something that it can do. So if we start seeing Lugia everywhere, maybe this starts to see play. I doubt it, but there's a chance. Yeah, I doubt it too. Maybe if the uh, Blastoise EX starts seeing play, we might need to see Mewtwo. I haven't seen that card. I saw that card one time, and I never saw it again. It's not good. That's why you haven't seen it. They tried it, and they're like, no, this is trash, even though it did beat me. And that was it. That's the one time. And I'm disappointed that I lost to it that one time. So... For the sake of all other Mewtwo's, we're going to move on from Mewtwo, because this one doesn't deserve to be talked about that much. Iron Hands. Iron Hands EX. 230 damage electric Pokemon. Future electric Pokemon. First attack is Lightning Lightning and a Colorless for Arm Press. It does 160 damage. Second, er, yeah, second attack is Lightning Colorless 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 called Ampu Very Much. It does 120 damage. And if your opponent's Pokemon is knocked out by damage from this attack, take one more prize card. This is the. I card would like to just make one uh, correction. He said 230 damage is 238 HP. You are correct. Thank you for that. This is the card that everybody's been talking about since it was released. This is the card that people are saying is going to ruin the game. It is the card that people are saying is completely overhyped and worthless. I think it could completely shut down a lost zone turbo deck, especially with that 120 damage and and tearing in those one prize card mons into two prize card mons. I think it would be great, especially in a Meridian deck, Meridon deck, Meridon, Meridon. Yeah, a Meridon deck. This card would be a do a lot of damage especially early on, because that deck is already fast. I think it's already fast, and then you throw this card in, especially with a lost box deck. Yeah, that deck, that's going to be one matchup that lost box does not want to see if they see Iron Hands come out onto the field. And that is absolutely one amazing spot for it, because lost box is a rough matchup for Maridon right now. And this helps sure up that matchup for Maridon. It's a little hard to power up with Maridon. It's not difficult, but it's just a little bit harder than what Maridon normally has to deal with. That being said, I think that's a perfect home for it. I have a perfect home for it in Champau. Um, This is what a lot of people are talking about might be the best deck in the format right now. Um, I have started to play it. It took a little bit of time getting used to. But I have converted my Chi and Pao deck into a Chi and Hands deck, and it is awesome. 
Um, I removed one water energy for a lightning energy. I removed one canceling cologne, a nest ball. That was it. Um, the nest ball and the canceling clone for the iron hands and the earthen vessel be able to search up the lightning energy that's it other than that it's the same canadian build of the chien pal that i've been playing and it makes the bad matchups better and it doesn't do any harm for any previously good matchups lost box was a rough matchup it gives me it turns it in from an unfavorable matchup to at minimum 50 50 maybe even favorable favorable on my side now, the thing is with Iron Hands, because I played two decks, two Chianpao decks with Iron Hands, and obviously you're a better player than like the opponents that I went up against because, well, you are a better player than them. But it seemed to kind of slow the deck down. Like It took a bench spot from Baxcalibur. Uh, it took a bench spot from Chianpao. Like, they ran the normal Radiant Ninja, the Baxcalibur, the Chianpao, Chianpao. But then they kind of logged out with the iron hands and then it just kind of messed up their deck to where in both cases, I just went after their backs calibers and then their the basic version of uh backs caliber, which I think is what free go or free G or something free like back. that. Fridgy back. Free. Yep. Fridgy back. Okay. So I just went after the basic Pokemon Fridgy back and kept max caliber out. And then the GM pod deck just literally just thawed out because Without Max Caliber, yeah, you can get water energy to your hand, but if you can only put it on manually and you're discarding it every turn to attack every time you can attack with Chien Pao, um, Iron Hands doesn't do anything good for you and Chien Pao doesn't do anything for you. So it was pretty, I feel like it made the matchup with Chien Pao for my Charizard deck a lot easier compared to when it was people were running two Max Calibers on their benches. So even if you buffed one, you had the other one to deal with and so, I I don't know. It, I feel like it would be good for certain matchups, but I feel like that it's played wrong. It's making the other matchups pretty easy for you. What have I said a hundred times about the Bax Caliber Charizard matchup? Um, that you think it's eighty twenty, and I keep telling you it's fifty fifty. Okay, it's it's eighty twenty without question. It's it's, it's not eighty twenty win for Chien Pao as you can. But and anyway. yet, I constantly keep beating Chien Pao decks with Charizard. Bad players. The point of this, the point of what I'm saying <laughs> is, unless that is the only basic in my starting hand, uh, Iron Hands is not seeing play. It's not being benched. It's being discarded with an Ultra Ball. It's, it's staying as far away from that bench as possible because it's already an 80-20 matchup. There's no reason to change anything. If I'm playing Charizard with Chan Hands, Iron Hands is not seeing play. There's zero reason for that to come out. The only reason I would ever play Iron Hands in this matchup is if you've gone a couple turns without a Charizard or Pidgeot, you have nothing in your hand, and I can just get a couple knockout or get two prizes, maybe the final two prizes by knocking out a Pidgey or a Charmander or something. That is the only time it's going to see play. The problem with Iron Hands is not that it's a bad card, and it's not that it's in the wrong decks. It's that people are using it wrong. It's it's a built-in trap. They see that its attack can take two prizes, they bench it as fast as they can because it's the shiny new toy that they want to use, and it hurts them in the long run. Yes, it does. It is not an early game card. Or a mid-game card either. Correct. It is generally there to get your last two or three prizes. The exception is Lost Box. If you can get that out against Lost Box, get it out as early as possible and start attacking with it. That is the only time you ever want to play this card early. It's a late game card, and if you play it too early, it's going to screw you over. All right, let's go over a couple more quickly here. Um, Screamtail, it's 90 HP. The uh, second attack for Psychic Colorless is Roaring Scream. This attack does 20 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon for each damage counter on this Pokemon. So what this does, it is a sniper for Gardevoir. You can attach energy to it, deal 20 damage to it. Every time you attach an energy using Gardevoir EX, and they can use, you can use that built-up damage to snipe your opponent's bench Pokemon. You can make it even bigger by using the Bravery Charm 
that adds 50 HP to a basic Pokemon. You can make it bigger with the new Gorgeous Mantle. So there are things you can do to make it bigger and make that even larger amount of snipe damage. Yeah, because I can see nobody really going after this Pokemon. I mean, 90 HP, I, it's just not a... You don't see it as a threat. When you see it hit the field, I'm not going to lie, I don't see it as a threat. And when you're done loading it up, it's only going to have 10 HP on it. Because you're going to do 80 damage by loading it up with, with Psychic Energy. Yeah. Well, no, I understand that, but like, if I was to play this card without knowing anything about it, I'd see it hit the bench and I'd be like, why are they playing this? And then I would completely ignore it from that point on until it wipes out one of my Pokemon and then I'm surprised by why it did so much damage. Yeah, I think it's time to shine is probably post-rotation after Gardevoir loses the Shining Arcane and Gardevoir Insation. I think uh, Gardevoir is going to move into a pure single prize build. It's going to have Scream Tails. It's going to have Drift Blooms, Drift, Drift Bloom, Drift Loon, and cards like that that completely change how Gardevoir is played. And then that's when Gardevoir dies. All right, go ahead and pick your next one. My next one is the next card that I would like to talk about is the Technical Machine Devolution. That card terrifies the crap out of me. Thank God there is no deck for it. For Devolution, for the Technical Machine Devolution, it says this, the Pokemon this card is attached to can use the attack on this card. Still need the necessary energy to use this attack. If this card is attached to one of your Pokemon, discard it at the end of your turn. And then it only costs one normal energy or one basic energy. Devolve each of your opponent's evolved Pokemon by putting the highest stage evolution card on it into your opponent's hand. Tell us why this scares you. I can tell you that I use a lot of rare candies in my Charizard deck. Pidgeot and both Charizard are both rare candy evolutions. If someone slaps that bad boy down when I have Pidgeot and two Charizards on my bench or in my active, I am done. Because they're going to send it back and I have no way of making those Pokemon back to their final form. I only run one Charmeleon at the time and most of the time I've discarded it mid-game. So um, if that card hits late game, I'm pretty much going to concede right off the bat because there's no way I'm coming back from that. And as a Chi and Pao player... I share that fear. Um, currently, we don't run any Arctobacks at all, and so if they can devolve two Baxcalibers, I'm in trouble. However, the saving grace is what you just said earlier. There is currently no real deck for de-evolution to see play in, with the exception of Lost Box. And I think that it could go in Roaring Moon when you're trying to build up to that three energy attack. I think if you can get it, if you can't get your first energy attack on turn one or two, that you would be able to use that as a one energy cost, especially if they get their Charizard out early or their Pidgeot out early or their Baxcalibur out early, that you can use that to send them back to the hand and pretty much destroy your opponent's plan. Now, it's funny you mentioned that. I was playing Roaring Moon today against a Lost Zone Charizard deck. Um... I I accelerated pretty quickly. I did what I was supposed to do, but essentially I got checkmated with the Charizard and there wasn't much I could do. Having the de-evolution in there, it absolutely would have won me the game. Um, there was no way he, he was running out of cards. There was no way he was going to be able to wear candy Charizard again. Um, it probably would have bought me enough time to win the game. Now... The reason why this can work in Roaring Moon is because Roaring Moon may also like to use the Ancient Boost Energy Capsule, which I'm going to read that one real quick. We can cover two cards with one stone here. Ancient Boost Energy Capsule is a tool. The ancient Pokemon this card attacks to gets 60 HP and recovers from all special conditions. It cannot be affected by any special conditions. So they're going to use this tool possibly to increase the HP of that Roaring Moon, so that way when it does damage to itself, it still has more damage left. So you're looking at now two Pokemon tools. It is the perfect opportunity for Town Store Stadium to be played, which allows you to, once during your turn, search your deck for a tool, put it in your hand. So you can run one de-evolution, get it out with Town Store when you need it, and go for the attack there. Agreed. 
Completely agree. And I think that could be a possibility in our going forward in the Roy Moon. I don't know how viable that would be in the deck because there's so many other cards that would be better served in the deck. But if you know that you're going into a tournament against a bunch of Charizards or a bunch of TM Pals, it might be an idea to throw that card in there for that matchup, for those matchups, because and that, that can really mess up a Charizard deck. You know, now that what I'm now I'm thinking about it. If you're running the, the build with the Galarian Moltres V, you can also include a or a seal stone. So that's another tool that you can get with the town store. True. That is true. So, you know, we got something going here. May have to may have to work on this and see if I can make this work. Uh, let's see if we can cover a couple more here while we still have some time. Jiraxi we can touch on. So Jiraxi, 70 HP. No one cares about the attack. The ability. Prevent <laughs> all damage counters from being placed on your benched Pokemon by effects of attacks used by your opponent's basic Pokemon. That is a very specific ability. And they could completely clear out that wall of text and say, Sable, I can't hurt you. That is what this card says. Put that on your bench, and Sableye cannot put damage counters on your benched Pokemon. Now, I, I keep saying that over and over again, on your benched Pokemon, because it can still be done on your active Pokemon. Now, it also says effects of attacks, meaning it doesn't protect you from Iron Valiant, so that can still put damage counters on your Pokemon. It is effects of attacks of your opponent's basic Pokemon. But that's where Manaphy comes into play. Because Manaphy stops Iron, Iron Valiant. It does not. Iron Valiant puts damage counters on your Pokemon. Manaphy protects from damage, not damage counters. So then nothing protects from Iron Valiant? Ath. Ath protects you from Iron Valiant. Lefki protects you from Iron Valiant. And that's about it. Why wouldn't Jirachi do it, though? Because it is not an effect of, atta- uh, effect of an attack. It's an ability. Uh, so that's why they got the wall attack. Yes. So it has to be an attack. It has to be an effect of the attack. And it has to be from a basic Pokemon. And it has to be on your bench. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of ifs there, which is why it basically says, Sable, I can't hurt you. Yeah, that card is worthless. To an extent. Um, I don't think it's worth completely messing up your bench for, but if you have the bench space, it's possibly worth it. Charizard, it's possibly worth it. Anything else? Nah. I'm not sure yet. It depends where Lost Zone is after all of these changes. If Lost Zone is still Tier 1, yeah, I'll throw, throw a Jirachi in, in some of my lists. If Lost Zone kind of starts to fall off and fade away then it's probably not worth playing Jirachi. Um, one of the guys at the was talking about for the local tournament I mentioned earlier, he's, he's a Lost Box player, and he had uh, gone into the group chat, and he said something to the extent of, like, no, no reason I'm asking this, but how many of you plan on playing Jirachis in your deck? So, I mean, the Lost Box players, they know it exists. They're, they're worried about it. It, it, can really, it can really mess them up. The problem with Jirachi is... You then have to use two bench slots. You have to bench the Jirachi and you have to bench the Manaphy. Because if you don't bench the Manaphy and only bench the Jirachi, they can Greninja your Jirachi and now man- and now Sableye you. So you have to bench both of them. So that's taking up two bench slots. That's why I think if there's a home, it's Charizard. Because Charizard has the bench space you can do that for. I agree, but I w- there's no way I would throw that in my deck. No way. I just don't fear loss. Lost box enough to throw that in Correct. my deck. Correct. It's it's lost box is not even a bad matchup for you, so it's it's probably not even worth it. All right. So the next card we're gonna go over is Goldingo. Goldingo EX, two hundred and sixty HP metal Pokemon. The ability is coin bonus. Once during your turn, you may draw a card. If this Pokemon is in the active spot, draw one more card. And make it rain for a single metal rain. Make it rain. <laughs> Discard any number of basic energy cards from your hand. This attack does 50 damage for each card you discarded this way. So I have to start off by saying I love the name of the attack. Make it ring. That's just the greatest. And the ability and coin bonus. It's really cool. 
I don't care about the coin bonus. All I care about is that the attack name is Make It Rain. But what I noticed with this card, which it shocked me on the first one, it didn't catch me off guard, but it did shock me is that it is the, the this card of the energy is not from the field, it's from the hand. So you don't know how much energy your opponent has in their hand to where if they're be able to one shot you or not. Yeah. And that's what makes me fear made me fear it a little bit more with Charizard is with Chien Pao. I can count on the field. Okay, Chien Pao only has two energy on it. Not gonna be able to do it, not gonna be able to one shot me. It has three energy on it, not gonna be able to one shot me. Four or five, not gonna be able to one shot me. But Goldingo, I don't have no clue. My opponent can have seven energy in their hands. They can have five energy in their hand. They can have one energy in their hand. But depending on what they got, they could either one-shot my Charizard, one-shot my Entei, one-shot my Pidgeot, or whatever, and then it, it's, it's game over. The only drawback to this card versus the Charizard deck, which is the reason why I run two Entei's in my deck, one, because online... I tend to run into a lot of Leaf decks, which they're not at all popular in tournaments, but for some reason they're popular online. And Goldingo is that Entei does double damage against Goldingo. Now, you mentioned that you you fear it because you don't know what they have in their hand. Now, I, I understand that from a mental perspective, but ultimately that doesn't make it any different than Chiam Pao for how you prepare for it. Because with Excalibur, Chi and Pao has those cards in their hand as well, and they just drop them all at once and use the attack. So I understand that it's a mental difference, but there's not really any way, different way to come to uh, prepare for the, each other, right? Because either way, they're dropping them and attacking them, or just using using the attack from their hand. Yeah, but more than likely with Chi and Pao is that you know they're using Chi and Pao's ability first to draw them energy from their deck. So you kind of have an idea of what they're getting in their hand, whereas with the Goldingo deck, you don't know when when they're getting energy. They're drawing cards like crazy, because I know the one that I went up against, they were drawing cards like crazy. I didn't get a chance to see what their cards were, so I didn't know if it was energy cards or if it was a supporter card or an item card, whereas with TM Powell, with their special ability, I know you're getting water energy. So you use this ability, you get two water energy. Well, I know you got at least two in your hand. Um, yes, switch them out and use another Chien Pao ability. I know you got four in your hand. You switch them out, you do another one, you got six in your hand, and if you have another seventh one in your hand, Charizard is done. But with Godingo, the opponent that I was playing against, they just kept drawing cards, and I'm like, okay, at this point, I don't know if you got five, six, seven, zero energy in your hand. It's going to eventually, you're going to do your attack, and then eventually I'm going to end up finding out that I'm either, I got my Charizard still, or I don't have it anymore. Goldango, what makes it really good is it is the attacker and the support. Where Chi and Pao, you need the Bax Caliber and the Chi and Pao to work together, so you're dealing with a basic and a stage two. This is just stage one that is the support because it's the card draw engine, but it's also the attacker. So that means that you have much more room in the deck to add things around. Now, that being said, it's a two-prize beat stick deck, meaning all it has is two prizers. So your opponent can do a 2-2-2 prize trade. What you can do in the meantime is you can play Scissor. Um, a lot of decks are using that. For one energy, it does 10 plus 50 damage for each uh, each of your opponent's Pokemon that has an ability. So that's a pretty good single prize attacker that Goldango can use, where you don't need a ton of energy to get the attack off. Um, it does a lot of damage, and yes, you it does. can't really get the KO. It still throws off your opponent's prize map just enough to possibly come back and win with the Goldango. Now, one one cool play you can do with the Goldango that I have done a couple times, it's really fun, is going with the technical machine evolution. Yes. I'll read that one real quick. Or it's the same as the de-evolution, except for one energy. You can choose up to two of your benched Pokemon for each of the benched. Yeah. For each of those Pokemon, you search your deck for a card that evolves from that Pokemon. 
and put it onto that Pokemon to evolve it. Now, I'm all, I'm reading this for the first time, or I'm noticing this for the first time. I thought it had to be basics, but this actually works to evolve stage Probably twos from stage ones. And the Charizard, yeah. Yeah, I I thought it had to be a basic into a stage one, but this also works from a stage one to a stage two. But it's still a loose if I can just use a rare candy. Yeah, I don't know what to do with this information, but it's it's new information now. So it's it's making me making my wheels turn, making me think. But anyway, back but, to back to Goldingo. Wait, hold on. Before you get on back on the Goldingo, it could be useful for Charizard deck if D Evolution gets popular. Because that means that I would have to start running more Charmillions. And if I want more Charmillions, I'm gonna want to get Charizard out as fast as possible. And now it's still making it to where I get my Charizard on the same turn that I get Charmillion. It just I will it will be the end of my turn instead of at the beginning of my turn. Well, and it means you don't need the Charizards in hand because you search for them. Yep. Back to the Goldango. What you can do with this is on turn one going second, you can get that TM and you can get it from an Arvin. You can get the Arvin from a Luminian. You can get the Luminian from an Ultra Ball. You can get the Ultra Ball from a Pokestop. So there's a lot of ways to kick this off. But ultimately, you get to the TM, you throw it on your active Pokemon, you do the evolution, and now you end your first turn with two Goldango EXs on your bench, which seems pretty good to me. That way, your next turn, you can start doing coin bonuses, start drawing cards, and go crazy after that. In my experience, Goldango is a fun deck to play. Um, I haven't quite hit it big with it. Um, it's still... It still feels like it's missing a little something. I've been playing with the with the scissor. Um, it feels fine, but I, th- I think I think it's missing something just to get it over the edge. I'm not sure what that is yet. It's missing the support that water has that TM Power has. If it had the same support that TM Power had, I think this deck would give TM Power a run for its money, or even the same support that Mar- Maridon has. Yeah. If it- some some version of electric generator that can that can just do something big for this deck that like a steel magnet or something that draws out more cards for it. But right now it, it's it's like Charizard. It doesn't have any support, so it's it's going on its own. Well, I will say Earthen Vessel is a pretty solid support that just came out that not only works great with Goldingo, but it also works with other card uh, with other decks as well. Um, Earth Invest allows you to discard a card, search your deck for two basic energies, and put them in your hand. So, with Goldango, you can discard a Battle VIP pass that you won't be needing anymore, search out two energies, and now you have two more energies for the Make It Rain attack. This is true. So, after going over all these cards, we got another week before our next episode. What do you think you'll be playing between now and then? I will be playing Charizard, and probably Roaring Moon. I'm Starting to build up that deck and thinking about giving it a chance because, like I said, I've done about 15 to 20 matches against it. It looks interesting. I mean, it looks like there's something missing from the deck because I have a pretty good win percentage against it. But I know that if it goes out early, it's it's gonna it's gonna do some damage. But I love my Charizard deck. I don't see me changing up from it too much. I'm not the type that um, tests a bunch of decks and goes with it. Once I find a deck that I love and tell it falls out of being able to be useful, I'm probably running it. I what about you? Am, I will absolutely be testing lots and lots of these decks between now and the next next podcast episode. Um, I want to kind of you know get on the ground floor to figure out what's good, what's not. Um, I will not be playing in the local tournament this weekend, but I am working with some of the players to help them test, come up with ideas what they can run as well. Um, I've told a couple of them that if I'm playing in that tournament, I'm playing one of three decks. I'm either playing Shampao, I'm either playing Maridon, or I'm playing Mew VMAX. The reason why is they are strong, proven decks that are good. And when your opponent comes up trying all this new stuff that just doesn't have the testing or vetting that these older decks have, you're just going to roll over them because you're more consistent, you're already set, and you're good. Um, that being said... I will be playing a lot of Chi and Pao with Iron Hands. Um, I feel like that's where I want to be right now. Being a Chi and Pao player, moving on to that feels like a natural progression. 
One deck that I'm working on is Glycopod EX. Being able to attack with the Glycopod, then the attack sends your Glycopod to the bench. So then you bring up either the Klefki, if your opponent has basic Pokemon with abilities that they rely on, such as Iron Valiant, or you bring up the Mimikyu, if they're only attacking with Vs or EXs, you bring up the Snorlax that with block if they have something that they can't um, that they they need to get out of the active spot. So there's just different things that you can do with this deck. It's kind of a controlly deck that it it has a little fun feel. I'll be playing with that to see if there's anything there. But um, mostly it's going to be the the Chi and Pao Iron Hands deck. And on my YouTube channel, I'm going to be starting a series where I am trying to climb as high as I have ever climbed in the PTCGO ladder, or PTCGL ladder, um, to see if I can get up to the master rank. So I'll be kind of chronicling what I'm playing, and in that that series, I'll be playing the deck that I believe is the best fit for the online meta at that time. And what deck is that? Uh, lately, it's been a mix of Charizard and Champau. Um, if I expect a lot of Charizard, I've been playing Chi and Pao. If I expect a lot of people testing new decks, I've been playing Charizard. I got you. And the reason for that is Charizard's fast. Um, it can get some really quick wins, and when you're trying to grind to climb up this ladder, speed matters. Agree. Definitely agree. All right. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts before we close this out? Charizard's the best. Keep running those Charizard decks, everybody. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us in episode two of the King's Rock podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast, leave a review, and have a good week. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>